I have the responsibility of introducing Pastor Allen. Reverend Dr. Marcus Allen is a husband, a father of three, and a soon-to-be grandfather. But I don't know what the new grandfather name is going to be. I'm voting for Papa. He is a learned man of God. He has an MDiv from the Samuel DeWitt Proctor School of Theology at Virginia Union and a D-Men from Liberty Union. He is a published author and professor, but to me, he is simply my pastor. I am humbled and honored that he allows me to share the ministry work as he leads Mount Zion Baptist Church. Pastor Allen has a love and heart for God, for God's people, and especially for the preached word of God. He has been preaching since he was 13, and to this day, he continues to refine the art of delivering God's word. Wherever he goes, he challenges and encourages ministers and pastors to be better preachers and leaders. He is a visionary leader who had the insight to create this summit to bring African-American Christian leaders to the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Amen. Now, there's a lot more I could say about his accomplishments and accolades, but I truly believe that his preached word reveal to you anything else you feel you may need to know about him. Amen. Truly, we are blessed and we, are, we thank God uh, for this moment and this time to be able to come and stand before you and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to say thank you to everyone for being here. Uh, also, my mama is somewhere. She's selling t-shirts back there. And I didn't know she was selling t-shirts until I was having a summit. And she asked me, because she sell a T-shirt? And I said, yes, amen. Where you at, Ma? I can't see her. She back there, amen. That's the lady that birthed me, amen, and allowed me to be the man that I am today. So I'm so thankful for her being here. My wife is somewhere. Oh, hey, wife. That's my girlfriend right there on Friday and Saturday. And she's my wife the rest of the week, amen. And so thank you to Mount Zion. Let's give this praise team a big hand clap of praise. And thank you to Minister Stephanie um, for um, that wonderful introduction. Let's pray. Lord, do it again. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 10, 11 through 17. You can keep your seats. It already has been read in your hearing, but I will read it again. Romans 10, chapter 11. Verse 17, it reads, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they have been sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then, faith comes by hearing hearing the word of God. I want to preach from the topic today. I'm going to preach the theme, preaching changes lives. 
Preaching changes lives. Spoken words can be very powerful, moving, and inspirational. Before most sporting events, competitions, uh, we hear words of encouragement and empowerment coming from the leader of the team or the coach. For five years, my son played football for the Southside Raiders. Because I was at every practice, they asked me to be a coach. They wanted me to be on the defensive line and the offensive line. I had no knowledge of coaching football, but I'm pretty good at playing Madden on PlayStation. <clears throat> My players on the O-line may have not had much technique because I wasn't the greatest coach, but they loved my motivational speeches. Some of the parents would tell me, you're the best coach out there. I knew they were lying, but I was the loudest with the positive affirmations to the children. Words can encourage and empower. For years while attending Big Dane CrossFit, my name was shouted throughout the gym. Let's go, Marcus. You can do it. I don't know if everyone knew my name because I was often the one finishing last or because I was the only black person in class. But the encouragement of the crowd made me push harder to the finish line. Words can motivate us to do things we never thought were humanly possible for us. Words from Maya Angelou still I rise said you may write me down in history with your bitter twisted lies you may trod me in the very dirt but still like dust I rise these words give hope that no matter how far we may fall we can still rise up words from Sojourner Truth speech ain't our woman has the power to motivate women, she said, if the first woman God ever made was strong enough to turn the world upside down all along, these women together ought to be able to turn it back and get it right side up. She is speaking to the power that women have to do great things in this world. Words of Fanny Lou Hamer during the speech in 1964 continue to hold the same substance today when it comes to change in America. But these words encourage us to push for change even though it may seem as if it's going at a snail's pace. Miss Fanny is quoted saying, and you can always hear this long sob story. You know it takes time. For 300 years we've been given them, we have given them time, and I've been tired so long. Now I am sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I won't change. Who can forget the words of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who stood on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in the heat of the summer on August 28, 1963, in, in front of over 250,000 people and declared, I have a dream during a time when black people felt as if they could not dream or expect to receive equality or better than what was in front of them. The words of Dr. King still encourage and empower many today to dream beyond their current circumstance. Words are powerful. 
January 6, 2022, former President Donald Trump held a rally and gave a speech to his supporters in such a way that they responded with violence. He told them, and I quote, fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. These people invaded the Capitol building, searching for government officials attempting to prevent Congress from certifying the results of an election that was lost. Words can move people to do some crazy stuff. And often powerful, moving, and inspirational words require a response with some form of action. Today in the text, Paul is encouraging the church in Rome that whenever you hear the word of God, there should be a response of faith. So the question today might be, how can we preach a word that saves lives? How can we preach a word that saves lives? Number one, preach Jesus saved. It ain't, it ain't, it ain't. I, I'm, I, that's it, right? Preach that Jesus saved. Says whoever calls on the name of the Lord, he will not be put to shame. The ultimate thing that prevents shame is belief. I wish I had a witness it. The thing that prevents shame is the belief in God. In the Greek, this sentence means you shall not make haste, which means you shall not fly for escape from conscious danger, which suggests that no matter what you encounter, you can endure because you believe in God. I thought y'all would shout off that. That's why Paul tells us if God be for us, then who can be against us? We will not be put to shame because the word reminds us no weapon formed against us shall be able to prosper. Paul is informing the saints that we can trust that God will never let us down. This God you can trust is the one and true God who saves all people by the way of the cross. That means that, that the distinctions like those between Jew and Greek are irrelevant. For Christ declared, if I be lifted up, then I'll draw all men unto me. Uh, God is not bound to Jews nor to Gentiles. He is not bound to the rich nor to the poor. He is not bound to the haves or the have-nots. God's grace does not have a limit. Paul suggests that the same God will be over everyone and he's rich enough for all who call on his name. This Lord has the riches to bring blessings to all of us. The Jew does not have to fear that there is not enough grace for them to go around. The same grace he gave the Jew, he can also give to the Gentile. This is the issue with the greed of those who live in these United States of America. This is the reason that America has continued to press down on the oppressed because they assume at some point the oppressed are going to take what they have. But the truth of the matter is, it's enough for all of us. And when we realize that, you're, that you gaining anything is not taken away from me, you can appreciate when God blesses somebody else. 
Paul says, anyone. Inclusive language who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Calling on the Lord should be out of a sense of insufficiency and a need that you, uh, that you need God to do something in your life that only he is able to do. You call on him because you believe that he is able to deliver you from whatever state that you may be in. Has everyone ever called on the name of the Lord? No, no, I'm not talking about just a, hey, Jesus, but I'm talking about a straight howler from the pit of your belly. Lord, pay me. I knew you all wouldn't help me, so I went back and got Peter. Peter demonstrates to us a picture of this in Matthew 14. The disciples are on the sea, and while they're on the sea, the storm is raging. Fishermen are unfamiliar now to how to handle this storm, and all of a sudden something shows up on the water, walking on the water, and some suspect it must be a ghost. And then Jesus said, no, it is I fear not. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, let me come to you. Jesus says, come. Oh, what an invitation. Oh, what a great word to hear from God. Oh, what a wonderful word to hear. Come, Jesus. Peter steps out on the boat and he begins to walk. And while he's walking on the water, the Bible says that he saw the wind and the waves. And because of that, he began to sink. But when he began to sink, the Bible said he shouts out, Lord, save me. I wish I had a witness here. And when he shouted, Lord, save me, the Bible says, uh, and immediately he reached down and picked him up. Is there anybody that could testify that when I hollered, Lord, he saved me, it was Jesus who showed up right on time. Preacher must preach sermons that reminds people Jesus saves. Yes, you can put your trust in family and friends. Yes, you can put your trust in systems and government. Yes, you can put your trust uh, in institutions, but you better make sure you understand uh, that Jesus saves. Simple sermon. How can we preach a word that saves lives? Preach that Jesus saves, but then the preacher must ensure that they've been sent by God. got to preach that Jesus saves. But then the preacher must ensure that they have been sent by God. After making this bold statement that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, Paul then begins to ask a series of questions with no answer. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without the preacher? And how shall they preach unless they've been sent? Process in which Paul presents to us is best rearranged uh, in reverse so that we can understand the passage just a little bit better. The preacher will preach the gospel of peace and will bring good glad tidings of good things. But the preacher can't preach unless they've been sent and the people can't hear without the preacher. Due to the people not being able to hear without the preacher, they cannot believe, which prevents the people from being able to call on the Lord. We don't understand this passage, we gotta look at it backward. The preacher must preach the gospel of peace that will bring glad tidings of good things, but the preacher can't preach unless 
they've been sent. And the people can't hear without the preacher. And due to the people not being able to hear about God, they can't believe. And since they can't believe, help me today, God, in this place, since they can't believe, they can't call on them. Somebody say, thank God for the preacher. Paul puts a special emphasis on the preacher. The preached word is the starting point for the call on the Lord. The preacher is essential to the salvific process. The process Paul presents is we need the preached word of God, which is the gospel of peace that comes with glad tidings of good things. We need the preacher, but the preacher can't preach unless they've been sent by God. The preacher must be heard by the people. The people must believe in God, and then the people can call on God. For this reason, I inform preachers who tell me that they have been sent by God to preach the word, that their words mean so much in the preaching moment. That's why it's my prayer that after every sermon, people would not testify what a great sermon, but they would declare what a great God. Because this preaching moment has the ability to help someone to believe what they have heard and call on the name of the Lord. The preacher must be sent by God. Those of you who have received this call to go understand when God calls you, he is relentless until you answer him. Those of you who have received this call from God, you understand that when you accepted this call, it came with some fear. You, have, you may have given excuses like Moses, Isaiah, and Jeremiah, but God comforted me with his words in Jeremiah 1 and 8. He tells Jeremiah, don't be afraid of their faces, for I am with you, those who accepted the call may have responded like me, God, I cannot go unless you go with me. Those who have received the call know what it is to hear the clarion call from God that you tried to ignore, but it didn't feel right until you stood still and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. The preacher must be sent. I remember being in Nathan's Dale preaching class at Virginia Union University, the best Divinity School in America, and he informed us, he informed us that every movement in your sermon should have at least six commentaries per movement. Someone in the back of the class loud and sounded off and said, Doc, that's too much. The crowd was in an uproar, but Dr. Dale calmed the class and stated, it is too much when you have not been called. The call to understand that this work is hard, but it is also rewarding. The call to understand that, that you acknowledge that this work is a burden, but it's also a blessing. The call to have realized that the word is dangerous because some Sundays people gladly receive what you say, and other Sundays they reject what you have to say. The call, no, just like Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 and 9, in the message translation, he says, it seems to me that God has put us who bear his message on stage in the theater and no one is buying a ticket. We're something, we're something everyone stands around and stares at like an accident in the street. 
where the Messiah's misfits. I wonder, are there any misfits in the house that could testify, I I shouldn't be doing this, but somehow God saw something in me that allowed me to be a sent preacher. I, I, I don't have everything like everyone else, but somehow God saw something in me. And it's not only you to know that I've been called. As long as God knows that I have been called, you must be a sent preacher. Sin preacher is on a divine mission from God to find the lost and restore the broken. Luke 15, Jesus tells the parable of the woman who lost the corn in the house. She lights the lamp, sweeps the house, and searches for the lost. Let me try that one more time. Uh, she, she lights the house with a lamp, sweeps the house, and searches for the lost. Every time I stand and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's my goal to light the house with the word of God. Sweet through the house, sweet through the dust and the dirt, sweet looking for the lost and the broken, sweet looking for the battered and the downtrodden, the confused, and I pray that the word will lead them to the Lord and cause them to cry out, Lord, save me. Sent preacher must come with life-saving words. Ezekiel proves to the preacher that even when you're preaching to a valley of dry bones, they can still come to life if you preach the gospel of peace and glad tidings. Let me try that one more time. Ezekiel proves to us that if you're preaching to a valley of dry bones, that those bones can still come to life. But you must preach. I wish I had a witness here. Uh, the gospel of peace in glad tidings, the sent preacher must preach a word that invites the listener to live. Live when grief has held you bound. Now, live when the divorce is final, but the wound is still fresh. Uh, live when depression and anxiety continue to attack your mind. Uh, live when the devil seems to be attacking you. The word of God invites you to live when everything around you is dying. How can we preach a word that saves lives? Uh, preach Jesus saves. I promise you, this is some simple stuff. Preach that Jesus saves. Ensure that the preacher has been sent by God. And then I promise you, Dr. Curtis, this is an easy one that many people miss. Preach the scripture. That's unheard of. That is. Preach the scripture. It says, So then faith comes by hearing. And hearing what? Uh, some preachers in the house. <laughs> preach the scripture. I'm, I'm, I'm a preacher. I'm a preacher that believes that the Bible still has power. A few weeks ago, it was a thing going around Facebook where people were wondering, is the Bible still true? I, I believe that the Bible still has power to save lives. Paul presents faith as a gift from God when we hear the word of God. Hebrews 11 and 6 declares that without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
Without faith, there is no salvation. Without faith, there is no connection to the invisible God. Without faith, we are completely lost and stranded in sin, which clearly means that the only way to know Christ and to know that he is our Savior is through the revealed knowledge of God, which is the Word of God. And as we get to know more Christ through the Scripture, our faith begins to grow. Pray that we understand that faith is awakened by the Word of God. That the more I get the Word, the stronger my faith becomes. When I read how he saved others, I have faith that he can save me. When I read how he delivered others, I have faith he can deliver me. This is the reason that the sent preacher can't preach the news or the catchy Facebook post, but you need to preach Scripture. And I tell you today, the Bible is enough. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, and correction, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Preach Scripture. The word is enough. Preach Scripture. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. Preach the word. One day, I'm finished. One day I was watching. I'm Baptist, so I'm be finished three more times. Um, one, one day I was listening to Kevin Hart as he was on Oprah's uh, show and uh, Hart's mother had reportedly promised him that she would help her son with his comedy career for one year, offering him to pay his rent as he worked his way through show business. Uh, Hart told uh, Oprah that, that as he began to encounter minor success in his first year of comedy, he was also running low on rent money. And repeatedly, he contacted his mother to help him finance his lifestyle. His mother's response to Hart's call was always the same. Have you read your Bible? Hart told Oprah, uh, uh, Mom, uh, that Mom, uh, come on now, I don't have time to talk about that right now. I'm late. I need rent money. Hart's mother replied by saying, when you read your Bible, then we'll talk about your rent. The comedian said conversations such as this one went on for weeks until he eventually received an eviction notice on his door. Desperate Hart decided to take his mother's advice. He said, I went home and I grabbed my Bible and when I opened my Bible, six rent checks fell out of my Bible. My mother put my rent in the Word. I'm finished. Kevin Hart shows us that whatever we need is found in the Word. But if you fail to open the Word, you will continue to face eviction notices. So I want to tell you today, preach the Word. Preach all of the Word. Preach the books of the law of how God partnered with his people and promised to be their God forever. Preach the books of the history of the Old Testament, 
about how a nation served God. Things went well, served other gods, returned, then returned to God, and God accepted them back with grace. Preach the poetry of the Old Testament, starting with Job when he testified, Naked I came into this world. Yes, Lord, and naked shall I leave, but the Lord hath given and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Pre preach Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not alone die. Preach the minor and the major prophets of how men warned of the wrath of God, coupled with the grace of God. Preach the gospel. Tell him about the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Preach the acts of the apostles. How they turned the world upside down with the gospel of our Lord and our Savior. Preach the Pauline and the general epistles so that we can know how the church should look and how Christians should behave. But preach revelation and warn of the end times and the coming of Christ. But more than anything, what? Turn me up a little bit louder, God. More than anything, what? Preach the grand old story, God, about how Jesus gave his all, God, for you and me, what? He gave his mother the charm, God. He gave strength to the weak, God. He gave peace to the disturbed, God. He gave hearing to the deaf, God. He gave his back to a whip, but his shoulder to a cross, his hands to a nail, but his spear to a side, but his feet to a ribbon, his head to a crown of thorns. He gave, he gave his mother to chum, but he gave salvation to a thief, but he gave forgiveness to a crowd. But Alan, Sunday morning, he gave salvation to the world. <laughs>